Earthlings, and welcome to Are You For Real? My name is Tom, and with me as always is my old pal Grant. Good dog. <laughs> Good dog, Grant. Good dog. <laughs> Good dog. Oh, man. How are you, bud? Uh, I'm good. Pretty good. I'm good too. Getting a uh, late late record in here, middle of the week. A little tired. Hey, that's cool though, man. Could be worse. Yeah. We're uh, yeah, we're doing a we're doing a our UFO real episode today. Uh, it is Wednesday, February the third. Uh, normally we tend to record on Sunday or Monday, but it just so happened to work out, and because we love y'all so much. We figured, hey, let's 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 fire up a podcast. Let's 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 break up the monotony of the week with a podcast and give our our uh, our rabid listeners something to listen to. Absolutely. And I figure, why not? I mean, I've had a I've, I've had a fairly hectic week at work, but um, nothing I can't handle. How about you, man? You've been hanging in there at work. Oh yeah. Not necessarily hectic, just kind of boring and uh, spirit crushing. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm enjoying myself, as you can tell. <laughs> oh, it sounds wonderful, man. Oh, gosh. Hey, uh, you know, bluer days on the horizon. And by bluer days, I mean blue skies on the horizon. Okay. Not like not like feeling blue. I don't want you to feel bluer, man. Yeah. Nah, I feel great. That would be a, a mean thing to wish upon someone to feel bluer. <laughs> ah, yeah. Um, and Sacre bleu. <laughs> you know what's weird? Okay, speaking of blue, um, I don't know if you ever get hot wings, but they always give you the option. Sometimes not not the option. It's all, like sometimes they start you with the blue cheese to go with the hot wings, mm-hmm. and I don't like blue cheese. It's very like ugh, it's like a visceral thing for me. I can't stand blue cheese, and I can't. I certainly can't stand it with wings, man. And it seems like ranch should always be the go-to thing if you're getting hot wings. And I, I don't know what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, but I think a lot of people might agree, might disagree with you. Oh yeah, uh, I, I I understand. I understand that my palate's a bit weird, but I want to know what your thoughts are, Grant. You. I'm not a huge blue cheese fan, I would say, but um, I don't mind it on a on a wing. I could use it. Hmm. Okay. I'm not really uh, too partisan with my my buffalo wing dips. Okay. As long as there's buffalo on it. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, sometimes I'll go for those those fancy ones, like a curry or something like that, you know, or a, ooh. I don't know. What are other kinds of wings flavors? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, there are a plethora, man. We could get in. Oh, great. Hang on. Sorry, my fan is making a super weird noise right now. That doesn't look good. Ugh, it's one of those upright fans. Oh, yeah. It's making, have you, do you have upright fans? Or do you just have like the old school ones? Um, No, nah, mine are pretty uh, downtrodden fans. <laughs> well, this one, it's making this super bizarre noise. It's like beep, 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 beep. It's UFO News update version. That's right. I'm um, yeah, we're coming in hot with a with a story that's as old as time, basically. Uh, it's a tale as old as time. 
But um, I think we got taken, Tom. We uh, we've got egg on our faces. We got taken for a ride, and we got egg thrown in our face too. Yeah, I'm starting to think that um, the news story that I was uh, excited about last week, last episode, about this cube uh, UFO. It seems like some online sleuths may have uh, solved the the mystery here. Uh, it's kind of strange, actually. Um, so this was actually shared by uh, listener Andres, but um, I think I don't know. I feel bad because um, I think it's it's pretty much been uh, been figured out what this picture is, and well, we already figured out what it was. It's the shield from Legend of Zelda. Right, to right. The past, okay. Or the other mask. The other thing we were saying is it looked a lot like a like a mylar balloon. Yeah, and I think it is. I think it is. Um, we Man. we were describing it as like an unusual unusual shape, and then I'm kind of ashamed. Well, I'm ashamed for a couple of reasons. First, that I didn't look up like skepticism, like uh, skeptical takes on it, because I I have figured that um that they they'd probably been working on this one. So, so again, like this is the story last week there, there's been, it's part of a larger story that there's been reports going on in, in intelligence circles about taking UFOs seriously, a couple of reports. And one of them uh, describes an encounter with a uh, cube shaped object. And then after that story came out like a day later, they released the photo that was supposedly included with this report. And um, it's not a cube shape. It, it's like shield shaped kind of. If you zoom in on it, if you if it's zoomed in and it looks kind of pixelated, it does it, it's shield shaped, yeah. And just to be super clear for our listeners, we addressed this in the UFO news segment of episode the previous episode. I think it was episode forty eight, maybe forty eight. Yeah, well, we actually we named the episode after it too, the the cube UFO. Uh, oh man, I, hang on, my face is super eggy right now. <laughs> yeah, it's let disgusting. me get this, let me get this omelet off my face. I feel like, uh, yeah, I fell for an onion thing. Well, in hindsight, though, you know what? But I was really embarrassed because I think when I first heard this story, I did look up the skepticism. So, because as soon as I saw that picture of this balloon, and I'll get into it in a second, like I was, I realized I'd seen that before. <laughs> so, I guess I'm trying to. It's even more embarrassing because I think I discovered that earlier, and then I forgot about it by the time we recorded it, and. And I didn't even research it or anything for the recording, so I just apologize to everyone for wasting your time. But but I think it I think it's interesting. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Sorry, dude. There are no apologies here on our UFO real. This is something we go over in nearly ep- every episode. And well, I'm sorry, I'm I think a rule breaker, man. Well, well, look here. I, I think our listeners are a forgiving bunch. They uh, they understand that UFO information is by its own very nature inherently suspect a lot of times we try and parse through that for you guys as best we can but um you know what i think uh what we do here at our ufo real is we're willing to admit when we've been hoodwinked we admit it we don't yeah. uh we don't keep going along with the the big lie or anything if we uh if if we find a that one of our stories has a um an extremely likely solution an extremely likely earthly solution we let you know about it. Yeah, yeah. Well, again, I, I wish I had just looked into some skepticism on it before I 
I went to press last week here, but You're um, too hard on yourself, man. Way too hard on yourself. But anyway, yeah, it um. So I've, I've linked to a couple articles and actually to where you can buy this this object for about five bucks from uh, from Walmart. It looks like. Um, but if you look at it, if you look at the photo and then you look at this, it's a Batman balloon. Um, the resemblance is pretty uncanny. Yeah, uh, it is. It's uncanny as the X Men, guaranteed. <laughs> I've um. I've linked it to, uh, you know, I, I shared the links to a couple of uh, articles on it, kind of breaking it down and everything. Um, but, but it seems pretty obvious when you look at it. And you can even, I don't know if it's just my mind playing tricks on me, but you can even kind of make out the the Batman design on the photo, the original photo. When you look, it's very pixelated, obviously, but it it seems to match up. I'm like 99% sure that that's what it is. Um, yeah, a lot of- I, I I think shape wise, it looks nearly identical and um uh in terms of the points and like there there are certain pointed segments of the object that look that seem to coincide i'm kind of ashamed that like we were trying to think of ways to to describe the shape and everything to our listeners and we didn't even think of like bat shape because when you look at it afterwards it's kind of well it, i guess it, it now that you look at it it does kind of look look bat like and and we did raise the mylar balloon question we did yeah, raise yeah. that last week, but the thing is, um, one would assume that the pilot would be able to tell if there's a Mylar balloon balloon flip flopping around in the jet stream. Uh, I, I did want to hypothesize about that with you too. Um, sure, but that's what yeah. Some of the articles that I link to it, like the ones that are actually debunking it and analyzing it and everything. Uh, there's some interesting research as usual with these debunkers, um, and they they get into like how how difficult it would be to capture a photo of a mylar balloon while you're moving at the speeds that a jet moves. And also they get into, because that was another reason why we kind of dismissed the mylar balloon is because it supposedly had showed up in this report and, and the pilot had said it was sitting there stationary. Although the skeptics are quick to do that is, is to say, well, it's hard for a pilot to tell if something's stationary when you're moving that fast, you know? Um, but I would hope they'd have the training to tell. But that that leads me to my question here. Like, I wonder. First off, it's funny because I I went through so many articles going over this thing, and and none of them had had been able to find this this balloon that I guess was quickly found by skeptic skeptical researchers, you know. Um, and they just kind of took, I don't know, took whoever their sources' word for it was. I don't know. It just kind of it brings it into a funny a funny realm here of where like where you know, where did this information come? Can we, can we believe all the stories about these reports then if this is the best they have, you know, or was this something where a pilot kind of like, it could even be like a pilot was impressed that they got such a good, good shot, you know, with their, with their pilotmanship. <laughs> Cause I would imagine, yeah, it would be hard to spot a balloon like that in the vastness of the sky and, um, and hard to capture it on a, on an iPhone, you know, <laughs> at the, at the speeds they're moving. Yeah. Um, but um, I don't know. It's really hard to say, you know, since everything's classified top secret, all the sources are off the record. Um, it just surprises me that that they haven't even covered this obvious uh, obvious fact that their their story had been debunked. You'd think at the end there'd be an edit or a link to it or something like that. You know, who's I mean? they that you're or, referring to? Are you referring well, to authors of the report? Yeah, because the debrief, like I said, was the yeah. was the source of it, and they made such a big hullabaloo about having this exclusive story about these reports and then their evidence their main piece of evidence for it 
turns out to be pretty faulty, I think. And again, you'd, you'd have to check on here, but it's it's fairly obvious that it, that it is this item in the. Yeah, I, I, I would say I can't say with 100 percent certainty. I mean, that would be impossible, but I'm I'm saying it looks it looks a lot like a a mylar balloon uh the sp- specifically the one that you're putting in the show notes the batman one so uh we got riddled by the batman so i but i wonder if this is the original photo from the report you know there's no way to really verify that um i mean what can we learn from this i, I was trying to come up with different scenarios of how this would happen you know and, and this gets leaked to the public um was it you know, is it just that you can't trust every undisclosed governmental source that you come across, you know? Sure, um, sure. Especially, like, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, is it the actual photo from the reporter? Is this just one that's been circulating in military circles and someone said, oh, hey, I have that picture and, and showed it to this reporter or something, you know? Um, you know, was was the whole report a joke? You know, is that is there even these reports here? Um, did the government is this actually the photo from the report and the government wasn't able to figure out what this, this UFO quote unquote UFO was, you know? Yeah. I'm telling you, man, like the shape, the shape looks spot on, but it's impossible, nearly impossible to tell the size. Well, you hear that? Yeah. 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 Uh, someone else wants to chime in on this discussion right now. A little, someone named Augie, the standard (laughs) poodle, Augie the standard poodle wants to chime in on the cube. Sorry, Ogre, you're not qualified to have this kind of discussion. And, um, you know, and then I, then I think of like, you know, what Bob Lazar was saying, if you believe Bob Lazar, but, um, how, you know, people will be fed misinformation or disinformation and then just to test for leaks. And that way, if, if something gets leaked, they can trace back to who leaked it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, or was it like a psyops? Is the whole report like a psyops mission just to try to fool the public or something? You know? Yeah, that would be pretty. Uh, that wouldn't surprise me if it was like a, a disinformation campaign uh, or something along those lines to say, like, look, guys, really, you guys really think that UFOs are extraterrestrial beings? We're going to make this uh, this report and uh, have it easily debunkable. Uh, right. So I don't know, man. Uh, I think. It just kind of uh, reiterates that we need to keep our eyes in the skies, but we need to keep our feet on the ground, man, and look right, for the most. Right. And we need to look for the most uh, likely of of uh, scenarios, which we do for the most part. But um, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, I guess it makes sense why. You know, if this wasn't the actual photo or the actual object, then them describing it as a cube makes a lot more sense you know yeah um but yeah again it's and it is kind of kind of disappointing that the all the press articles that i read they just kind of took the military's word for it and didn't really do their own research or analysis i guess but uh what can you do well i tell you what we can do we'll just we show uh, our viewers the the picture and we show them the picture of the mylar balloon and we let them be the judge that's all we can do man that's true. Well, let's let's put this behind us then. And yeah, I let's, move I'm, on to. The, I already got my squeegee out and I wiped the egg off my face. So, but don't but don't you think that is a an interesting social question? Just like how this got so widespread when it and it was quickly debunked, but that doesn't really get spread as quickly, you know. Mm. Um. But uh, yeah. 
Well, um, I. But uh, you know, fake onward, news. <laughs> onward and upward, as they say, way, way <laughs> upward. I understand. Well, uh, oh, go ahead. Well, I was just gonna say, yeah. Um, on to our main topic then. Um, we kind of mentioned it last week, and I'm sure anyone who's seen the name of the episode knows what it is. But it's uh, it's Oumuamua. And um, you're a little bit familiar with this, Tom, right? Moderately, yes. I did read an article about it, and uh, it the name bears a striking resemblance to my one of my favorite Pink Floyd albums, Amagama. <laughs> oh, nice. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's got that. It's got echoes on there. I think. I think Amagama is the one with echoes on it. It's awesome. But uh, Oumuamua, that's a Hawaiian word, I believe. For um, I think it's Scout. Right? Is that scout. what it is? I didn't even. Yeah, I think get that. I, yeah, I think it means scout or um, you know, some like some like a searcher. Okay. Yeah, or like visitor or something. Well, I don't yeah. know. Okay. Yeah, I think I think scout might be right. Um, but uh, yeah, it was discovered at a. Um, well, I'll get into it here. So basically, I've got the. Um, well, anyway, yeah. So you're familiar with it what it is basically it's an it's kind of like a comet or uh something i don't know did you know it's it's like the first uh interstellar object the first known interstellar object um in our solar system yeah so that we've seen which seems crazy that that the first so, time that's happened is just yeah. recently you know <coughs> excuse me um yeah it's the first time that we've been able to observe an interstellar object meaning uh, from another star, uh, right. and the closest star being Alpha Centauri, which is several light years away. This thing took a long time to get here, for sure. And and by observe, that means that we just got like a photo of it that was just like a pixel, basically. So we we don't really even know what it looks like up close or anything. By the time we noticed it, it was already on its way away from us, and we weren't, wouldn't be able to catch it with a rocket or anything um, to photograph it or anything like that. Um, but let me, uh, yeah, let me read from Wikipedia here a little bit. I'm just gonna kind of brush over the main details. It gets pretty scientific here. But uh, Oumuamua is the first known interstellar object detected passing through the solar system. Formally designated 1L2017 U1, it was discovered by Robert Weirich using the Pan Stars Telescope at Hale Haleakala. Not Hale Haleakala, just Haleakala Observatory, Hawaii, on 19th October 2017, 40 days after it passed its closest point to the sun on the 9th of September. When it was first observed, it was about 33 million kilometers or 21 million miles from the Earth, and uh, that's about 85 times as far away as the moon, and already heading away from the sun. Wow. Um. Oumuamua is a small object estimated to be between 100 and 1,000 meters um, long, with its width and thickness both estimated to range between 35 and 167 meters. Isn't it, it just... Da- oh, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, well, it has a dark red color similar to objects in the outer solar system. Despite its close approach to the sun, Oumuamua showed no signs of having a coma, but did exhibit non-gravitational acceleration. What's a coma? Um, it's like when you pass out and your your body's kind of functioning still, but um, 
but you're uh-huh. not conscious. Okay. Is that like yeah. that movie Awakenings? Have you seen Kill Bill? Yeah. The Bride. Is that what happened to Beatrix Kiddo? Yes, exactly. Spoiler alert. Oh. Um, but in all, in all seriousness, I think it's crazy that we can even observe stuff like that. Something relatively – that relatively small compared to the size of our right. solar system. We can observe something like that, and that's super cool that we're able to do that. We have such precision instruments that we're able to, to detect something like that. That's, that's amazing to me. And then calculate using, uh, I believe it's Kepler's law, um, able to calculate its orbit and where its point of origin and everything, just with such a tiny bit of data, which we'll get into in a a minute here more, too. Um, But yeah, I think that's pretty crazy, too. Um, Love it. And, uh, but speaking of coma, what a coma really is when it comes to a comet, it's like the the tail, basically, I believe. Oh, Um, okay. The icy, the icy uh, spray left behind. Right, and that's the reason we can see most comets is because when they get close to the sun, their their ice starts melting, basically, and um, we see the, I guess that's a reflection off the tail of the sun. Hmm. Um, Makes sense. But that's, you know, the coma is basically the tail of the comet. Um, but, uh, But this is strange, too, because it, you know, usually when they have those tails, they start accelerating from the force. But this one did exhibit non-gravitational acceleration like that, but it didn't have a tail. And um, so, nonetheless, the object could be a remnant of a disintegrated rogue comet or exocomet, according to a NASA scientist. The object has a rotation rate similar to the average spin rate seen in solar system asteroids, but many valid models permit it to be more elongated than all but a few other natural bodies. While an unconsolidated object, rubble pile, would require it to be of a density similar to rocky asteroids, a small amount of internal strength similar to icy comets would allow a relatively low density. Oumuamua's light curve, assuming little systemic error or systematic error, presents its motion as tumbling rather than smoothly rotating and moving sufficiently fast relative to the sun that few possible models define a solar system origin, although an Oort cloud origin cannot be excluded. Extrapolated and without further deceleration, Oumuamua's path cannot be captured into a solar orbit, so it would eventually leave the solar system and continue into interstellar space. Oumuamua's planetary system of origin and the age of its excursion are unknown. If you or anyone you know has information (laughs) about the age of Oumuamua, please call 1-800-876-5353. Once again, that's 1-800-876-5353. Or contact your local law enforcement agency. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot of information packed densely in there. Um, hopefully, you followed that. But um, yeah, this. Uh, so, like I said, I kind of skip around. I I would just click on the link to the Wikipedia article if you want to get into the nitty gritty on here, because what we're talking about here is alien stuff. Um, but first, a little bit more data here, just to see where we're coming from. Um, so, in July 2019, or. Uh, in July of 2019, astronomers concluded that Oumuamua is most likely a natural object. A small number of astronomers suggested that Oumuamua could be a product of alien technology. Observations and conclusions concerning the trajectory of Oumuamua 
were primarily obtained with data from the Pan-STARRS-1 telescope, part of the Space Guard survey, and the Canada-France-Hawaii telescope, CFHT, and its composition and shape from the Very Large Telescope and the Gemini South Telescope in Chile. (laughs) Chile. They're not kidding around that Very Large Telescope. You think it's big? Yeah. Yeah, I do. You think it's just a clever name? It's like like a really little telescope, you know, like when you call a big guy tiny or something. <laughs> anyway. It's um, a telescope muy pequeño. <laughs> <laughs> very large telescope. Um, as well as the CAC-2 telescope in Hawaii. These were collected by Karen J. Meach, Robert Warrick, and their colleagues and published in Nature on 20. 20- 20th of November 2017 post announcement the space based telescope Hubble and Spritzer joined in the observations Spitzer not Spritzer <laughs> uh, is small and dark it was not seen in stereo HI1A observations near its perihelion on night September 2017 limiting its brightness to uh, approximately 13.5 mags by the end of uh Ooh. Yeah, this is all uh, all I understand jargon for me. All I basically understand is lumens that show up on like light bulbs that I purchase at the store begrudgingly. Yeah, I don't know what a mag is. I assume it's brightness. It's a a measure of brightness or reflectivity. Is that what? I would think so. Yeah, but uh, I can tell you by the end of October, Oumuamua had already faded to apparent magnitude of uh, approximately twenty-three. Oh. Oh, okay. Well, then now we're yeah, duh. I mean, one would hope In mid-December, though, it was too faint and fast moving to be studied by even the largest ground-based telescopes. <laughs> even El Telescopo Muy Gigantico in Buenos Aires. <laughs> but they um. Yeah, basically, um, so this thing's faint and far away, and uh, we couldn't really get a good observation of it, I, w- I want to reiterate. Um, so, the, you know, it's pretty n- new, uh, pretty exciting, but then suddenly on 27th, June 2018, astronomers reported a non-gravitational acceleration to Oumuamua's trajectory, potentially consistent with a push for, from a solar, solar radiation pressure. Initial speculation as to the cause of this acceleration pointed to the comet-like outgassing, whereby volatile substances inside the object evaporate as the sun heats its surface. Although no such tale of gases was ever observed following the object, researchers estimated that enough outgassing may have increased the object's speed without the gases being detectable. A critical reassessment of the comet hypothesis found that, instead of the observed stability of Oumuamua's spin, outgassing would have caused its spin to rapidly change due to its elongated shape, resulting in the object tearing apart. Well, guess what, man? If this thing is outgassing like they say it is, it probably stopped at the it probably stopped at the ExxonMobil and got a whole bunch of roller dogs and just flew the coop, man. Just put away about a half dozen roller dogs and it's outgassing its way uh, rapidly. And I frankly, I'm thankful for it. I don't want that thing anywhere near me if it's just uh, eating a bunch of junk food. Ich bin Berliner. <laughs> I just learned that means I, I want to eat a hot dog or something, right? <laughs> it means I'm a Frankfurter. Or, I'm a Frankfurter. Okay. I'm, a, I'm a hot dog. Uh, I'm a hot dog. 
A hot dog. Um, well, according, uh, accounting, accounting for Vega's proper motion, it would have taken Oumuamua 600,000 years to reach the solar system from Vega. But as a nearby star, Vega was not in the same part of the sky at that time. Yeah. Astronomers, astronomers calculate that 100 years ago, the object was um, 89, or I'm sorry, 83.9 plus or minus nine one hundreds million kilometers <laughs> <laughs> i should have studied more science um and then it's uh so it was that far and then 52.1 okay okay yeah so that many kilometers so about 83.9 billion kilometers or uh 52.1 billion miles uh, from the sun and traveling at 26.3 kilometers per second with respect to the sun. This interstellar speed is very close to the mean motion of material in the Milky Way in the neighborhood of the sun, also known as the local standard of rest, and especially close to the mean motion, the mean motion of a relatively close group of red dwarf stars. This velocity profile also indicates an extrasolar origin. But appears to rule out the closest dozen stars. In fact, the closeness of Oumuamua's velocity at the local standard of rest might mean that it has circulated the Milky Way several times and thus may have originated from an entirely different part of the galaxy. Dang. It's also speculative. <laughs> it is crazy, though. Like, they just saw something moving and they, they were able to figure all this out, man. These scientists are crazy. Give wow. them a ruler and, they'll, and a compass and they'll uh, calculate anything. <laughs> <laughs> Stick your foot out and a man will measure it. Give a man a ruler, he can measure his foot every day. <laughs> <laughs> Wise words. Um well well here's where it gets uh, a little spicy. Um on October twenty sixth, October twenty eighth. <laughs> they keep putting European style dates and I'm uh, my American brain just can't handle it. Um I know. Why put the date first before the month? Well, because it, really, it I don't know. I, yeah, but you're European. Our way doesn't make any sense, you know. But um, to them, to that's considered magic. <laughs> yeah. uh, so on the 26th of October, 2018, Avi Loeb, and we'll we'll be talking more about this guy soon. Uh, but it, and his postdoc Shmuel Blaley, or no Shmuel Bialy, submitted a paper exploring the possibility of Oumuamua being an artificial thin solar sail accelerated by solar radiation pressure in an effort to help explain the object's non-gravitational acceleration. Other scientists have stated that the available evidence is insufficient to consider such a premise and that a tumbling solar sail would not be able to accelerate. In response, Loeb wrote an article detailing six anomalous properties of Oumuamua that make it unusual, unlike any comets or asteroids seen before. A subsequent report on observations by the Spitzer Space Telescope set a tight limit on cometary outgassing of any carbon-based molecules and indicated that Oumuamua is at least 10 times more shiny than a typical comet. <laughs> it's also 10 <laughs> times more gassy. <laughs> oh, jeez. Well, of course you're shiny if you ate a whole bunch of hot dogs at the ExxonMobil. <laughs> poor things, probably sweaty is all good out. Man, I'm just trying to keep a straight... I'm just trying to read this without messing it up, and I don't know if I'm doing a very good job here. Um, I'm definitely not understanding it. Well, even the stuff I don't understand is entertaining because of your uh, 
the way you're reading it. So please. Um, Well, a detailed podcast produced by Rob Reed provides the full details about the differences between Oumuamua and known comments. In uh, January 2021, Loeb released a book, Extraterrestrial, the First Sign of Intelligent Life Beyond Earth, which describes the hypothesis that Oumuamua may be alien technology, although such an explanation is considered unlikely by other experts. And that's the end of the Wikipedia excerpts that I'm going to talk about here. But what I do want to say is I was listening to a podcast and Avi Loeb came on. He was talking about it. I thought it was interesting. I thought it would be a good idea for a, a podcast subject. Yeah. Um, now, this guy, he's hawking a book, right? The way yes. I see it, I don't know how serious he actually is about thinking that this is like an alien creation. But you got that, right? He's saying it's probably a solar sail. That's that's what really makes sense here. And, and such a thing does not exist in nature. Right. Um, yeah. And, and I think there was actually a, a New York Times article about him or about his book. Um, well, that's what I was going to say is that since that podcast, I've seen them pop up on like every other podcast interview podcast I listen to. Um, so he's definitely making the, uh, the media circles right now and promoting this book, you know, and I think it's a smart way to do it because it's a hot topic. And the real interest about it is that it's from out of the solar system. And there, there's always been speculation that it might be like an alien craft or something, especially when it, if you remember when the, when this was in the news, Tom, that, um, you know, people were freaking out when it started accelerating because no one had ever seen anything like that. It knocked, knocked yeah, it talks socks off. Well, I it, one of the big deals about it being interstellar, which is, um, which intergalactic I planetary intergalactic planetary, um, is that uh, things <clears throat> things that are interstellar don't tend to make it. Uh, a lot of times to other um, other solar systems because um, a the vastness of space it's bound to hit something else uh, it's bound to hit the Kuiper belt around here I think that isn't the Kuiper belt the one that there's all those asteroids around the in between Mars and the gas giants um, it could I think be, there's yeah. Like, yeah and there's a we there's a ton of there <laughs> the, the amount of objects for something to hit in our solar system and in our um, galaxy is is staggering. So for but something I, <clears throat> so for something to make it here by happenstance, um, I think is one thing that maybe 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 in my non scientific mind points it to being uh, artificially made. Okay. Well, have you are you familiar with a light sail or a solar sail? Uh, is that something? Do those even exist yet, or are they? No, uh, they're kind of working they're, on them. They're hypothetical at this point, right? Yeah. I think Carl Sagan talked about it in Cosmos as a potential source of a uh, of uh, of movement for a for a futuristic spaceship. I I remember it makes me think of a uh, the book A Moat in God's Eye, which I don't have the author for here, but um, I'll look it some, up. <clears throat> some classic. Uh, author team here it's like really 70s sci-fi basically i don't know it's a it's an interesting mixture of hard science and fantastical uh fiction i think thinking yeah but uh it's really interesting but it's actually about a similar thing where um 
Yeah, it's actually written by Larry Niven and Jerry Purnell. Larry Niven and Purnell, yeah. Yeah, they're big, I think. Um, or they were in my dad's collection, anyway, of sci-fi. So, um, But, uh, yeah, it's a pretty good book, and it's it's pretty interesting. It's, it's basically about first contact with an alien race, and um, out of the God's eye, this this uh i don't know dead alien corpse uh shows up in a solar sail basically like he he was coming for him you know but he died in the in the trip so they go follow it and go back to the homeland and an adventure wow. but uh but pretty interesting you know and uh and that was a solar sail um so it would uh I'm assuming the phrase solar means it surfs on the solar winds or it, or does it absorb the light from the sun? Yeah. It catches, um, photons basically from the sun, I believe. And, and the, or you can push it with a laser too, you know? Okay. It catches light though. And, um, it's going to catch these hands if it gets too close to me. <laughs> Jeez, Tom, calm down. Look, man, this thing's already like breached our security by going to Exxon mobile. But anyway, but I, I, yeah, I think it's uh, pretty interesting, you know, because like I said, this thing is just a pixel that they observed. Um, so they're not even sure if it if it's like an oblong cigar shaped object, which is what when the story broke, that's what everyone was saying it was like a cigar shape. And there's a lot of paintings of it and pictures of it. I don't know yeah, I saw a lot of artist renditions of it. But it seems uh, after listening to Mr. Loeb or Dr. Loeb or whatever, um, he uh he seems to say it is a uh, it's more likely a disc shaped object and that's just because it kept changing like brightness when they observed it of this one pixel that they could see but it i guess it changed its darkness by a factor of 10 so it's pretty pretty extreme wow so basically they're saying that you know one edge doesn't have a lot of reflective surface and like a disc if you saw it from the side but then when it turned it would be very bright um and um so but i don't i don't know how much he believes it his main stance is i mean he's an interesting guy he's a pretty good interview he he's really into science you know i like listening to uh people that are advanced in their field in science talk about the stuff they love you know it's it's always interesting um but he he has he kind of preaches like a his real mission is to preach like open-mindedness and not just throwing crazy ideas out you know until it's proved one way or another um he's famous he famously said that he wants uh you know if he could change one thing about academia he'd want people to to think more like children and be more open-minded um and he's he really has a lack of interest in titles or awards or anything like that you know yeah um But yeah, he uh, seems like in in the New York Times article I was I was glancing at. And I'll try and I'll send a link to that to you. I know there's a paywall, but those of you who subscribe to the New York Times like I do, um, I, you'll be able to take a look at it. It's, it's an interesting read. It's a I think it's part of the New York Times book review. Um, but from what I gathered, um, uh, Dr. Loeb um, is definitely uh, in the minority in terms of his. Uh, belief in the potential for Oumuamua to be um, artificially made. Um, And when it comes to stuff, when it comes to topics as science-heavy as astronomy and cosmology, um, 
I find it best to defer to the experts. And when it comes to experts that have differing opinions about it, um, I, I think the best thing to do is go with the numbers for the most yeah. part. Um, that's not to say that a majority of people have never been wrong in instances. Um, but when it comes to stuff like this, uh, it, it seems like Loeb and just maybe one or two other people think that this is uh, think it's a solar flare, and those that those that don't think it's a solar flare just say, "Hey, like there's no, we don't have any hard evidence to suggest that, other than the extra gravitational movement, which in itself, um, or what is it? Not what's the phrase for it? Non gravitational." Uh, yeah, non-gravitational movement, I believe. Non, non-gravitational. Acceleration. Non-gravitational acceleration. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to let my ignorance show here and say, hey, maybe it, um, maybe there was a, a solar flare that finally reached it and just pushed it. I don't <laughs> – again, I have no idea if that has any basis in reality, but um, – and I'm sure Mr. Loeb can, considered that as well, being – being an astronomer but yeah i don't know there's it's, it's hard to say you know there's there's so much dark matter in this universe that we don't even we can't even explain um yeah i think i think it's i don't know he, he goes into like the drake equation and how there must be you know he doesn't think look at the earth as special or that we're in a special time or place so he thinks there's probably like life all over the galaxy and all that good stuff um, as do i does, as do i for sure and he thinks like an advanced um, society would probably be sending out a bunch of drones, you know, so he, he thinks, why not think that this is one or something? But, um, yeah, I mean, the, the, there's no evidence really either way, you know, it's kind of just guess on it, which isn't very scientific, you got to admit. I mean, I think science or scientists are supposed to be skeptical until they prove something, not like, you know, this is more just a guesswork, basically. And But he, he does make a point that... Um, you know, that people are kind of instead of saying that it, it might be an advanced artifact or something or, uh, you know, that or some kind of technology that um, the natural explanations don't really hold water either. So it's I don't know, man. It's, I, it's an object like we've never seen before, you know, so. Um, yeah, I, I feel examples really to, to before we say that this is strange or I don't know. Yeah, to be fair, I haven't even really looked at other people's explanations of Oumuamua, um, but I, I have to to reassert this that I was I, I'm pretty sure I've I've mentioned this before. In any kind of situation like this, the burden of proof is on the proponent and the person who is proposing that this is a, a, um, an artificially made technology or has the potential to be is the one who has the burden of proof and. Mm-hmm. It, just because there's a couple anomalous things about this, I don't think is enough for me anyway to say that that it's more likely than not that it's a, a an artificially made piece of technology. Now, again, astronomy and cosmology are incredibly dense, uh, hard to understand, like and physics, that kind of and math, all that stuff goes over my head a lot of the time. So uh, I have to defer to scientists on this on this subject, but um, I do know that 
extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence, according to Carl Sagan. And I don't see extraordinary evidence in this just because there's some anomalous behavior of this thing. Yeah, to me, it sounds more like it's just a natural phenomenon, probably close to a comet, but but also dissimilar in certain ways. And um, just because, I mean, so it accelerated slightly, you know, when it was heading away from the sun, which is um, interesting. But, you know, it's not like it made a, a turn or a right angle or something like that or just like. Sure, sure. If it would have radically altered its course. That's a good point, Grant. If it would have like radic- radically, if it would have like pulled up the the parking brake and did the Tokyo drift into something else, then I would be like, "Hey, man, something going on here." Yeah, I mean, I think it's amazing that we can make out so much about um, like uh, comets, really, you know, and and see yeah. them so big in the sky. So, I mean. You know, it might just be that there's some phenomenon acting on it that we can't see from, you know, 80 billion kilometers away or whatever. Right, right. Um, we just don't have the technology. We don't have the Star Trekian technology to go enhance, enhance, enhance when we're looking at it on a, on a little screen. I mean, maybe someday we'll be able to have like some panopticon telescope that can zoom in on things immediately, but. But that that being said, I mean, um, if you're interested, and in, I would I would recommend checking out an interview with uh, with Avi Loeb yourself. Um, I I did include the link to to one of the ones that like the first one I heard him talking on. He's pretty he makes a pretty compelling case, you know. It's interesting conversation. That's on the Lex Friedman podcast, so you can check that out. I would like to check that out. Um, well, take a take a look at the links and the show notes, and and uh, you could watch that on YouTube or. In the comfort of my search, own home, or you could just search for it on on any anywhere you get podcasts. But um, <laughs> <laughs> that's all I got. That's all I got today, though. Kind of a short episode. Um, just thought it was interesting, and it's been around the news. Um, and and hey, thank you for for the for the correction too. The the obligatory correction on the yeah. uh, on the. I on wish the I found wheels. that before we first started talking to it. Hey, you know, you know talking what? About it, it, but. It's okay. It's okay, man. It's interesting. It's interesting. Yeah. You live, you learn. And a good, uh, again, good looking out from Andres that that emailed that to me. He he did it like the next day after I posted it. So I was like, oh great, I look like a. Uh, thanks, Andres, for not uh, posting that all over our page. Going like these guys are hacks. <laughs> yeah, no, he's a great guy. But um, all, all right. right. Well, uh, everyone out there in podcast land, take care of each other. Take care of yourselves. Um, lay off the roller dogs, man. Amu Amu, I found out the hard way. Yeah, I need to lay off. Speaking of, man, <laughs> cut carbs here, cut don't calories. Get, don't get me started, man. I'm the heaviest I've ever been. I blame 2020, but I, I got to get back in shape, dude. This is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Well, uh, it was good talking to you, Tom. Likewise. Hopefully, we'll see you guys real soon. Absolutely. Um, Bye. Love you guys. Mwah.